Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 101. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant, and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. It is good to be back. It is a early Sunday morning for us. Uh, so, yeah. This oh, jeez. This... What's that thing from Robin Williams? What does the <laughs> O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. <laughs> and for those who are wondering why we're up, doing the show such early on a Sunday morning. Uh, our main guest today is a guy named Sam Fasini. He's a US sports journalist who is a mad, mad Essendon fan, knows his stuff about Essendon Football Club. Oh, yeah. out- outrageously so. He really does. Watch, watches every game. Um, he's already watched the North Melbourne game uh, in his early, early morning. Uh, so we're going to cross to him very, very soon in six or seven minutes uh, and have a, a quite a long interview. So it's a nine AM interview. So well, I've got the uh, I've got old school with a cup of tea next to me, and and I, I feel right. yeah, it's uh, it's the first time I've had to set an alarm on a Sunday <laughs> in a good period of time. But uh, absolutely for Sam, mate, we're we're, we're claiming him. Uh, Sam's our guy. He's our Global international yep. podcast uh, roving reporter. Uh, we've got Neil. We've got as our local reporter. We've got uh, we've got people. We can't say who they are in the hub in Queensland, and we've got Sam Bassini. We're global, clearly, as a podcast. Um, but mate, the 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 depth of knowledge that that bloke has. Clearly, he married a very very fine Australian lady who's taught this boy well on uh, on AFL, and uh, the the depth of knowledge that he's got on the AFL in general, but specifically about the Dons. Is incredible. We love talking to this bloke, and um, yeah. we really hope you you uh, you guys love uh, listening to it as well. Yeah. So Sam will be on uh, after the break. Look, uh, just uh, as a quick introduction, fantastic win by the the boys last night. We go four, yeah, baby. We go four and one. Uh, I, I was absolutely wrapped with how we approached the game. That was the key for me. It's like I wanted to see us. You know, I I'm like a broken record sometimes, and I always say, you know, I wanted us the games that we're meant to to win or especially games after a huge win, like at one over Collingwood, uh, I've always been sort of saying we've got to get better to like the other top four clubs who just rock up the next week and are just as professional as the week before. I felt like that was about 95% there spot on. And really if it wasn't for inaccurate goal kicking, it was probably to me on the field, a five goal win. Uh, yep. despite the score. So I was I was mostly comfortable the night, just that felt like we were just going to win. I felt like we were the better side uh, by some way. And, and and look, it was a solid effort. They did they did what they needed to be done and they come away 4-1. They go back to their hotel and get a rest and, and they this week face the Bulldogs who are a little bit of a kryptonite side to us. So it's, it's a, an important... Four and one, and you know, playing a bulldog side, which probably they have a right to complain, but they play today. But the game's Friday, so they only have a five day break. The bulldogs, so Ooh, okay, nice little opportunity to to maybe hit them hard in the first quarter and see where they're at physically. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, this this game for me, um, apart from the missing at goal, and we've been we've been pretty good um, around the sticks this year. The 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 missing. Um, the the goals was yeah it was an issue and I think Sam makes a really good point in the interview when we talked to him when he says um, that I, although we were missing those goals I was never really worried uh, about the fact that we were missing significant um, sort of opportunities 
I always felt like we were in control. But I guess the, the big thing for me was what Scotty just mentioned is the consistency. We we climbed a mountain against Collingwood because, I mean, Collingwood came out and just pumped. Who did they play? Who did uh, Collingwood play? Oh, this week? Um, was it the Giants? Was it? Um... Yeah, Giants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I, I don't Oh, no, sorry. Um, it wasn't the Giants. It'll come to me soon, but... It... It was, Anywho, uh, it doesn't matter because yeah. I don't care. Um, but uh, like, Collingwood came uh, out and pumped whoever the hell they played um, this week. Um, and it shows you that they're a half-decent side, right? So Essendon climbed the mountain last week, got over that um, got over that side and did really well. And then there's always the way. It, what, what kind of team have we got this week um, for the Bombers? Are we going to rest on our laurels because we've just beaten Collingwood and done the, the really, really hard job? Or are we going to come out as a professional side and beat a side that's not real special? Um, get the four points, get back to the hub, jump in the in the spa and relax, right? So I was really pleased to see the level of of, of effort was still there, the tackling pressure and the like, and we did what we had to do against North um, yeah. Hooker Hurley just totally shut down their forward line completely. And we, we got the four points, got the hell out, and we're looking forward to the Doggies next week, which, again, is a massive game because now, I don't know about you, Scotty, but now I'm seeing two wins in a row and that professionalism. Now I want to see it again. Yeah, I want to see like it. That. I want to see it again. I want to. Sh- I want. I want them to show us that this is now their DNA. This kind of pressure. So, yeah, it's a massive game against the Dogs next week. Yeah, and sorry, it was just Collingwood beating Hawthorne. Sorry, I forgot to. <laughs> I realized yeah, no, that <laughs> Hawthorne. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. So exactly, it, it's we're in a really good spot to be equal top of the ladder with a game in hand, and the others other teams don't have that. That's you know. And, you know, obviously our game in hand against the Demons, and I've seen enough of the Demons to know they're very, very beatable. Uh, even with oh, their, I agree. Even with their win over the Gold Coast, uh, you know, it wasn't that convincing, trust me. So uh, it's a really good start by the Essendon Football Club this year. And if you add on the Marsh Series, which they won every game, it's been a pretty positive year, if I'm being quite blunt. Uh, compared to other years, we are looking we were looking quite good. So... And this is the this is the thing was we've we've lamented on the podcast, mate. We've lamented bad starts to a year. We've we've lamented it. We've gone, damn. Now we've got a we're gonna have to win. I don't know seven of the next eight or six of the next eight or something like that for, to be competitive. And that's too hard. The pressure is too much. Now being four and one with a game up the sleeves, so to speak, um, we we're really positioning ourselves well. That if yeah. I don't know if we lose the doggies game. If we drop the doggies game, then it's not panic stations. Um, it'll be a bummer, but it won't be a panic station because yeah. in this shortened season and this whole weirdness, we're doing the we're doing what we need to do, and the the wood the uh, the trucks and the and the carousellas and all that sort of thing. It's clearly working, right? We have the ability to do this two weeks in a row. Let's just see what we can do a third week in a row. Yeah, and look, the, it was a positive week all, all round. So with that game, there was no injuries last night. So I checked on the site. Essendon said there was no injuries. So that that's obviously a positive for how things have played out the last couple of weeks. But then even watching this scratch match, uh, I'm going to get this name right. Sammy Draper. Yay! Hey! <laughs> Much rejoicing. <laughs> uh, Sammy uh, yeah, took a couple of speckies, played well. 
Uh, you've got uh, Cahill kick five goals uh, in the scratch match. You've got another week's training into Joe Danaha this week. So, yep. you know, uh, there's some real positives like happening at the club. There, there's there's manoeuvring, there's things that can still happen uh, in the second half of this year. You know, it's not out of realms of possibility as well as Phillips is playing that a, a Sammy Draper could play some games in the second half of the season. We, you know, you, you do get a feeling Joe Danahar could play in maybe three weeks' time um, if he's allowed, you know, if he gets cleared for a scratch match, probably. I reckon it might not be this week, but the next. But if he plays one or two scratch matches, then, you know, at some point they're going to have to look at each other and go, well, there's nothing left else just to... No, to, he's done to, everything. Yeah, to so, play. So there's a lot of positivity about the club. And, you know, Heppel declaring yesterday that he'll definitely be back now before the end of the season. Um, so, you know, if you start getting racking up some wins and you're actually going, talking, okay, we could play finals... And you're having Stringer, Heppel, and Joe Danaher back, uh, oh, mate. Yeah. It, it changes everything. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we, the, the racking up these wins. You know, whether it's ugly or not kicking right for goal, the fact is we are we're out playing other AFL teams, and we yeah, were, <laughs> that's exactly right. So it's really important for one great star. I'm actually wrapped. Uh, I, I'm hoping people are enjoying the wins. I, I know there's we we have a habit of dissecting a lot and saying and and we you know, like every other fan base they always talk about the guys who are, who are the bottom five and oh, I don't think he's playing well. I don't feel like I'm at that stage today. I'm like no, you know I'm just gonna actually just enjoy my Sunday, enjoy the fact we're form one. I I'm not used to seeing us in the top four six games into a season, maybe two games into a season, but you know <laughs> it, 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 this was round seven. And, and you know, and we're top four and a game clear, uh, still to play against a, a very beatable team. So I can only see it as a very positive start. And and the last two weeks, you know, is probably the last two weeks is what we saw in the preseason. I, I when I, we were really glowing on the preseason, right, with that Eagles and Geelong game because they were two good opponents, both away, and there was a really good consistency of effort, and there was. And, and and just application. Uh, and I think the last two weeks, now that we've got some continuity, because it was a, I mean, it was only two weeks ago that we played our first game for a second week in a row. So any any other side has, hasn't had the continuity. Um, oh, sorry. Every other side has had continuity, but we haven't. That's the other way. <laughs> That's the right way of saying it. Uh, yeah. and, and we're now showing it what the other clubs are doing, but we're now getting consistency of effort. So that's two weeks in a row that we've really applied ourselves well. I'm really positive, but yes, go for it, Grant. Can I, mate, can I, can I just make a, a comment with regards to the effectiveness of the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast Um uh, I've completely lost what I was going to say. Um, the, don't you hate that? Um, the lunchtime catch-up blowtorch. That's what I wanted to say. Jeez. I only, I only was thinking about it for 30 seconds before I said it, and then it completely left my mind. Um, the effectiveness of the lunchtime catch-up podcast blowtorch when it is applied on players uh, at the Essendon Footy Club. I know. We, we, we did Hooker, Hurley, didn't we, and Shield the previous See? week after the Carlton game. Exactly they were almost right. one, two, and three best on ground. Then we said... Then we said Zarakis, and we were very supportive. I want to be clear about that because a lot of people are like, "Where are the Zaka haters?" We are come not. On, man. We are not Zaka haters. We no, are mate. Come on, we, we love that kid to death. Yeah, but 
if anyone wants to dispute that the guy was out of form, I'm happy to have that debate because there you go. He there clearly go. could be, be could have been producing more, and sure, I know he would be thinking that, but. But we know he's a talented guy. But we put the blowtorch on him saying this is probably the week he needs to actually show something or he's, you know, he's maybe spot on the side, may come under fire. Three goals, 20 possessions. <laughs> be yes. Probably almost BOG and, and there you go. The blowtorch wins. That's it, mate. I'll tell you what. It was so great to see Zaka running down inside 50 and kicking goals and and just having that influence that that, that bloke – needs to have for the Essendon footy club to be successful. So look, the blowtorch, I think we, we, you notice with the blowtorch, we're not, uh, and I'm, I'm quite sure Zarakis uh, probably doesn't understand that he was under the blowtorch from the podcast, although I'm sure he's a listener, uh, yeah. but um, we're not applying that uh, blowtorch to, um, I don't know, Will Snelling or somebody like that who probably doesn't deserve it. He's only been in the side for a minute or Braden Ham or something like that. We're only applying it to the blokes that in the Carlton game, they're senior players. They they need to perform better than they were. And it's interesting to see that level of response from um, from Kyle Hooker and Michael Hurley, who just destroyed North. Um, you'll see Sam in the in the interview coming up mentions, even he knows that Benny Brown just destroys us uh, as a as a general rule every time. He's gonna he's gonna kick several. Um, and he's done incredibly well. And then Dylan Shield just picks up and and does a great job as well. And also David Zarakis, just the, the blowtorch has done its job because that kid at in the forward line is now just, it's, it's the example of exactly what I reckon they were trying to get out of Darcy Parrish. Darcy getting 20-odd possessions in the midfield, Zarakis in the forward line. I think that's a perfect mix for moving forward for the club. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we'll go to a break soon, come back with Sam. But me and Grant have discussed we're almost going to be called the lunchtime catch up Ridley show. Uh, if, he, if, oh, if Jordan man Ridley crush. Pl- <laughs> yes. Man crush of the highest order, Jordan, mate. The boy from Furniture Gully. So, uh, oh, mate, he's, 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 that, can the kid do no wrong? Apart from, well, apart from, yeah, he, he had the, I mean, videotape that mistake he did last night because that's it for his career. That's, that's, that, that's seriously. Scotty and I can't remember, like we're, we're casting our mind back, we cannot remember the kid making a clanger, like like a, a decent sort of kick it straight down the throat of the opposition like that. Yeah, I don't know that I can remember him making a really significant <laughs> clanger like that um, in the past. So my lordy, lordy, we have got a player there. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just Michael Hurley and, and Hooker must be looking at him going, Oh, to be 23 years old again. Um, <laughs> but what an incredible pickup for that club. Like he's, he should be, I saw a comment on Facebook. Um, I forget the name of the guy that, uh, that made it, that he was last year, he was playing, running around in the VFL, playing a little bit of midfield, playing a little bit of wing, probably not. You didn't hear his name a hell of a lot in the best players. And I was kind of worried for him that he, he wasn't getting a spot on the side and he wasn't doing yeah. awful well in the VFL. But geez, um, he's talk about come back into the side like he's never left, and has made centre half back that boy's own or cross half back. Put it that way, yep. he's made it his own. So, mate, love the kid to death. Incredible to see. So we'll be right back after the break uh, with Sam. We're going to cross live to the US. Let's go. 
Christ live to the US. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, we're very pleased here on the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast to uh, to welcome Mr. Sam Vecini from The Athletic. The Athletic is a uh, an internet-based news company in the States. Um, we're very we're very pleased to have him on the podcast today. G'day, Sam. Grant and Scott, how you doing, guys? Mate, we are really good. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, for We've had you on the podcast before, but for those of you that uh, may have missed the episode with Sam, um, Sam is an unusually educated, <laughs> AFL-educated uh, guy in the States who, frankly, surprised the hell out of us last time we spoke to him with regards to his knowledge on the AFL and the Essendon Football uh, Club in particular. Um, we're going to, he doesn't know this, but we're going to nickname him our, uh, our international, um, roving reporter <laughs> for the lunchtime Catch-Up the podcast. American um, correspondent. My American <laughs> correspondent. That's right. We've got, um, we've got a local one here. We've got one in the hub in Queensland and now we're, we're, we're going global as a podcast, Sam. So again, thank you very much for joining us. So have you seen, uh, have you seen the game last night? So yeah, the, I live in Los Angeles for people that, you know, aren't familiar. My wife is from Melbourne. So that's how I've been watching the AFL for, you know, like six or seven seasons now. And on night games, we have to wake up early the next morning and watch them. So we watched it at like eight 30 this morning. So the game had probably been over for, you know, four hours or something like that whenever we started it. So um, yeah, no, I mean, it was great game. Obviously it was maddening in the first half, but um, there were also just so many positives in the first half that like there was, I looked at my wife midway through the second quarter and I was like, is it weird that I'm not worried about like us losing this game? Same. Like I, they've yeah. destroyed them. They've dominated them at the contest, even though Goldstein was a monster. Like they've absolutely, uh, run over them in terms of inside fifties. Like I shouldn't feel worried about this. I feel like, and then, you know, intelligently, of course, she just goes, have you watched the team for the last six years? Like, of course, you should be worried about this. <laughs> exactly right. Well, so that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. Sorry, Scotty, go ahead. I was going to say, Sam, actually, your favorite player for Essendon probably had an important game last night. And you can say who your favorite player is, but, uh, but uh, he showed the first sign to me that he's coming back strong. Uh, and I thought was running the lines really, really well and giving us a lot of drive. Yeah, I assume you're talking about Raz, right? Uh, Fantasia was, that was the first game that he's played well, I think, all season, to be honest. Uh, you know, obviously they've moved him from uh, half forward back to the back line, which I thought was really interesting because I don't think I've ever seen him do that because I don't, you know, pay attention necessarily like youth competition and what he was doing when he was younger. But it was really, really interesting to see how they used his speed and used his. Uh, skill just in terms of ball pickup you know it was such a slippery game such a weird game uh last night that uh having someone that is sure-handed and someone who is uh such an exceptional field kick uh is really really effective now like it helps that we have ridley back there too who's just like kicking bullets to everyone across (laughs) the field but like you know I, i think raz was like a really big help but yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to stop to start anywhere other than Zarakis. Like he was incredible. I was so ex- I was so so excited for Zarakis last night. So, yeah, mate, so were we. We uh Scotty and I had 
Um, recently, rightly or wrongly, we've been putting the, uh, the little bit of the blowtorch um, on. Uh, I think that's going to become a thing. It's going to become a, a lunchtime catch-up <laughs> thing. It's going to be the blowtorch placed on players because when we do it, they tend to perform. So we were we were only doing it because Zarakis, we both we both know that he's more than capable of doing that in a game, um, really contributing. And we put that blowtorch on him because he is a, um, a senior player. He's a leader within the team. And the five possessions and the seven possessions that he was getting with the no goals and that sort of stuff was, it just wasn't acceptable for a senior player. So I tell you what, I was, I was very happy. Every time I saw him get the ball, I thought this is the guy that we need in that forward line position. And I, I, I'll say it now, if uh, if uh, Wush is listening, and I'm, I'm assuming he is, um, tell you what, <laughs> Darcy Parrish and David Zarakis, there are your two positions, right? Like, don't worry about Darcy playing in a forward line. I'm not sure if he was trying to do what David did last night, but chuck David in Darcy's position and chuck Darcy in the middle of the ground where that boy belongs. What do you think of, uh, of Darcy's game as well? Yeah, I think that it's ridiculous that he wasn't playing in the middle of the ground early in the season. I think it was ridiculous that he was getting like 70% of game time throughout the course like of the first few games. It was very silly. I didn't really understand what was going on. I thought that Parrish played exceptionally well uh, basically in every game this season, save for one, if I can remember. Um, like I was last week. I feel like he wasn't like amazing yeah, last yeah. week, but um yeah, no, Darcy has been awesome throughout the year. I think it's really important that we continue to use him as this ball winner uh, because, A, I think that he is a long-term piece for the club and is going to be an absolute necessity for them as they continue to build, build for the future and the present. Uh, and, B, it's just a much better use of his skills. Like I certainly, you know, paid attention to the draft when they had picked number five. And I was like, this guy is a ball winner. You look at any of the tape that people show he's a inside ball winner. And last night I thought that, you know, the coaching staff really did a great job. They uh, kind of pulled Shiel away from the contest and just kind of let McGraw and Parrish really handle uh, all of the dirty work inside. And uh, just because Shiel was getting tagged so strongly, I thought it was uh, an exceptional use of uh, Parrish's skill. And I really hope that we see a lot more of it, especially with Heppel out and um, especially with Merritt kind of, you know, I don't want to say Merritt's been bad, but, you know, he hasn't necessarily been up to his typical Not standard. Not his standards, yeah. 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 I, I thought um, I thought Devin Smith's second half actually was quite crucial. Uh, he's another guy that's probably been like Merritt, just hasn't clicked a, as yet. And the, look, I, at half time, I was like, "Oh man, Smith's got to get into this game." He, 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 he didn't have hardly any disposals at all. And then I noticed, like, he's like second highest on disposals. So his second half was right. huge. His work ethic. Uh, so that was that was I thought was pivotal too. Uh, and and Adam Saad, like, he's his years so far on saving our butts on certain <laughs> certain plays. Uh, there are uh, by the end of the year they're going to have a, have a statue of the guy uh, that no Western fan's going to take down. By the way, but uh, yeah, but it, yeah. he's he's a uh, yeah he's having a sensational year. Yeah, Saad's been great. Uh, you know, Devin Smith's a funny one. I struggle with Devin Smith. Like I was talking to my wife, and she thinks I'm a little hard on Devin Smith. Like I don't know if you guys saw when Hugh Greenwood uh, mentioned that. Uh, to I think it was to Rashudo. He said like, yeah, of course, like the Adelaide guys would be paying attention to disposals instead of what you do with the disposal. 
He was like just taking a total spray at, uh, to the Adelaide Football Club after he left last summer. I kind of struggle with Devin a little bit because I think his ball use is kind of poor yeah. uh, at times, yeah. to be honest. Um, he does a great job winning the ball. He does a great job keeping pressure high. Like there's definitely, I'm not saying he's like not a good player. He's certainly a really good player, but you know, I would just like to see him use the ball a little bit better and use it a little bit more effectively than he does at times. Yeah. That's an and, interesting, that's an interesting call. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree on Devin Smith. He, it's just his ball use uh, and it's around the ground. And, and I, even, even the late in the game, he's, you know, he normally nails those left foot goals. You know, fifteen yards out, uh, we had oh, right. we 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 missed we missed probably six. You know, uh, goals that were just should have been routine. You know, kick goals and and like for me, it was kind of like it felt like the whole game. It was kind of like a five goal difference between the two sides, but it wasn't that on the scoreboard. But yeah. so uh, I, I felt kind of weirdly comfortable during the game like no we're the better team and i'm just not sure north can actually outscore us even with our sort of missed shots i I felt like we still had control of the game um the one thing i really liked um sam was uh i I don't know how much of your history uh is essendon but essendon historically uh, i'll say like our last decade uh when we have a big game like the pies um, last week, and it's like a big momentous game. Everyone's celebrating. Wow, we historically, if we had to then travel interstate, uh, play a team we should beat, we would lose that game. That's just a yeah. fact. And, and but we wouldn't even turn up. Like mentally, we were just not physical, any presence. For me, that's probably the most oh, out of oh, anything, the most pleasing, pleasing aspect of the whole whole game is actually how we approach the game as a side it felt like just a more professional effort like just more we're turning up we're taking it serious you know we we outplayed them and won the game and that's kind of a big thing for me i'll I'll let you talk sam no grant did you want to say something yeah no no no. sorry man I, i i was just gonna say exactly what scotty said just at the end mate um the 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 problem, and and I think your wife nailed it um, well in that we're not quite sure, and we haven't been sure for several years now um, as to what Essendon's going to bring to the table. So, I was me and Scotty were both sort of talking along the lines of we're not quite sure what's going to happen um, in this game because sometimes well, times in the past we've beaten a Collingwood, we've jumped up a couple of steps in in effort and skill, and we look like world beaters. And then for some strange reason, like Scotty said, we almost don't even turn up next week because we just think, oh, good, great. That's that switch that we've we've needed to, to flick. Um, we've flicked that switch. We'll do that every week now. No problems at all. Um, and we turn up and get hammered by North. And then you're just, as a supporter, left so confused. So have you noticed that? I mean, significantly noticed that in the past? I don't even know that I've noticed, like, you know, the interstate travel thing. Like, I think I've seen the numbers on it before. It, it, I mean, it's just maddening inconsistency in general, though, like at, over the course of the last five years. Like, uh, this is a team that generally, uh, over the course of the time that I've been watching it, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get yeah. from week to week, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Um you know, I, I'm sure that the interstate travel thing, I'm sure you guys know the numbers better than I do on that. I'm sure that's absolutely right. Um, you know, it's interesting, though, because, you know, one of the few stadiums I've actually been to is Metricon uh, with my wife. And okay. 
we went up there and when we went and saw them play gold coast, it was probably four or five years ago. Like it was actually a pretty heavy bomber. Like, I don't know if it was majority bomber crowd, but like there were a lot of fans up there in the gold coast that were Essendon Mm. fans. So I was like, we were kind of looking around the ground and we were like, there are actually a lot of Essendon fans, especially compared to North fans. It seemed like uh, in the stands. So it, it yeah. won't surprise. I'm not saying that they're going to have like a home field advantage or anything. Um, but if it continues to be that like kind of grimy, humid, you know, wet weather, a team like Essendon, you know, it would help to have a tall that could, uh, relieve pressure with big marks whenever they're trying to uh, go from halfback to you know the center of the ground. But I kind of think that a team that tackles and pressures as well as Essendon does, plus has like at least a base of support up in Queensland and in the Gold Coast particularly, I, I think that that could at least you know maybe help along the uh, the inconsistency a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I can see that. I mean. It's an interesting point you made about taking marks around the ground. And we've, like you said, we've got a couple of tools in like McKernan and um, Phillips, who I want to have a chat about in a minute, and maybe Laverde and those kind of guys. We haven't been super good at taking marks around the ground um, to yeah. date, and especially last night. I'm wondering whether or not, and this sort of opens up the, the discussion on um, Andy Phillips uh, as well, again, as our uh, as our new Ruckman uh, running around the joint. One of the things, and I think I might be putting a bit too much pressure on the kid just at the moment, he's played two reasonable games for the club, but I would love to be able to see that bloke present for more marks around the ground. Now, I know he's busy. I know he's running around chasing um, Grundy and Goldstein and those kind of guys, but that kick, like you were saying, that... Connor McKenna move out of inside 50 in the back line or the Sadi run and the McKenna run or the Raz run that we've had up there recently. And then the run outside 50, maybe they get to the edge of the square and then they're looking for that target to release the pressure. I'd love for that to be Andy Phillips, but I just think half the time he'll be on the ball where they, where Connor and that wins it. Um, and will be, he'll be They'll be running away from him anyway. So I'd love to be able to see, I don't know, I, I'm almost going to be saying we play two tools because yeah. if we play Bell Chambers as well, there'll be, and we chuck Bell Chambers in the forward line, we'll have a marking person up, sort of up the ground and able to take that relieving mark. I think I think that would be a good idea. What do you? What are your thoughts on playing two tools in a side? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, my wife's dad, Bill, uh, brought that up uh, to her and she kind of presented the idea to me. So I was kind of thinking about it. And, you know, I was surprised that they didn't play hooker at forward in this game, to be honest. I, I kind of thought that that's the route they would go. I thought that they would want that kind of tall forward, marking forward that would be able to relieve pressure. Ultimately, it worked out like great. I'm really glad that they didn't. Hooker did uh, an incredible job on Ben Brown, who has oh. consistently just murdered Essendon every yeah, time that yeah. he's played Essendon. <laughs> that is very so, true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that this was by far the best that anyone has played on Ben Brown, uh, basically since I've been watching football. And <laughs> it's interesting because with Bell Chambers, I worry about his ability to move up the ground 
to take those pressure relieving marks and then like get all the way back to the square and then present as like a marking target uh, as we're trying to enter the 50. Uh, mm. It's just kind of, he's not very mobile anymore. Like I think yeah, there's yeah. a big reason why uh, Phillips has been such a breath of fresh air. And honestly, I don't know that it has as much to do with Phillips, you know, being awesome as it does that like, we haven't seen a Ruckman that, can move around the ground as well yeah. as Phillips does. He's in a long time. Right. And look, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I will say, uh, I reckon if I'm the coaching staff, uh, they would have been 50, 50 on bringing Francis in. Right. And I, I reckon some parts of last night, they might go, it may need to happen because I think the hooker option was frustrating because they didn't really have that option to move him because they took out Redmond and didn't add in Francis. So there wasn't an over backup to how do well, if hooker moves forward, how do we address that? Uh, because they had two uh, sincere tools, North Melbourne, uh, that probably only Hurley and hooker could really handle unless Francis yep. was in the game. Uh, and so Francis as a junior in TAC was, you know, he played quite a lot of his career up forward. So it felt like to me that was probably still the missing link to the game where we just needed a, a, a helping aerialist um, to, you know, whether it brings the ball to the ground or whatever. But Francis in his own right can take a pretty spectacular mark. So I reckon they will have a look at that. Um, but even with the – I think the conditions, I think, probably in the back of their mind um, – was like very tricky. They knew it was going to be slippery and dewy and how that was going to play out. You know, can we get away with it? And, and Wusher might, you know, tell us, Hey, we had 23 scoring shots. So the right. issue, the issue might not be scoring because we just didn't kick straight. You know? So it's a very interesting one, how they, how they're going to look at that this week with selection. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you'd legitimately have two or three weeks, probably a Joe Danaher, um, which obviously reshapes <laughs> everything, you know. It's obviously right. a dramatic in. Um, so it, it's uh, I, they're the ones where I go. That, those are the wins I think are really important because to go four and one and then having a all Australian maybe come in in two or three weeks in the area that you're obviously weak at, which is centre half forward. You know, to rack up these wins, you know, you can really start, um, you know, not to put pressure on Danaher. He's obviously going to take weeks to get, you know, just touch and match ready. and But it, it just gives the side something in the second half of the year that can, you know, that we haven't had before for a couple of years. Uh, I was great just quite... Just, just on a, on a side note, I, I thought the move though of Cole Langford just to help out the forward line at least presented uh, a key option. He kicked a couple of goals. He just felt, he had a, quite a bit of a presence. Did a bit more physical work than I've seen him done in the past. It was it was one of his better games. Yeah, I agree with that on Langford. You know, I said the same thing to my wife as we were watching the game. Uh, I was like, I think that. I don't want to say that Kyle Langford used to be soft necessarily, but he didn't use his body as much yeah. as you would like for a guy that's like six, three, six, four, like he's a big dude. And today he really did that throughout the course of the year. He really has done that. Like he was super physical with Patrick Cripps. Uh, he was very good in the air. And then like another guy I want to bring up, I thought Jaden Laverde was really good on field. Uh, his, 
kicking is terrible. Like we can just <laughs> yeah. admit that at this stage, uh, it's really going to become an issue for him continuing to like keep a career in the AFL at some point. Uh, and really it already has to be honest, but he did an awesome job getting the ball to ground is yeah. like a semi tall target today. I thought he was really, really effective at getting the ball to ground, which is really all he has to do uh, in yeah. this side. Like he needs to kick one or two goals a game, you know, I would hope, but yeah. you know, as long as he's just being competitive, getting the ball to ground, making good decisions with his handballs. Like I thought Laverde was really, really useful, even though, you know, the big moments I think are the ones that are unfortunately going to stand out <laughs> where yeah. he misses this terrible set shot. Like, honestly, I thought he was like kind of disappointed. It looked like whenever, uh, McDonald's and Moody played on, uh, on that, uh, goal after he drew the foul yeah, and had yeah. like a straight set shot, like right out of, you know, maybe from 20 meters out. Uh, he looked like a, I don't want to say like bummed, but there was just like, you know, didn't look as excited as everyone else necessarily. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but I, I think it's worth noting. He did really, really well in this game at the job that I'm certain the coaching staff wanted him to do. Yeah. And, and look, there's this one play that I reckon every time I do this show, I always go, I probably regret it afterwards and go, I almost, I'm always playing down this guy and it's Andrew, Andrew McGrath. And yeah. he, he's as solid as a player that turns up every week and puts in and like, one thing I love about McGrath is how clean he is with the footy. Like he, he's a guy that is a one touch, what I call a one touch player. Doesn't often fumble, uh, but it, like his effort uh, last night, uh, I thought you know at, at some points he was just a touch of a lone hand. At some points around you know around the uh, the midfield, he was just helping out everywhere, floating back, cutting off leads from North Melbourne, helping out the defenders, running through the midfield, doing everything possible. So uh, I want to make sure in this episode I, I really call him out for for a fantastic year that this kid's having, and and you know as much as there's talk about. Uh, Taranto and uh, McCluggage, uh, Essendon have every right to say, no, we got the pick fully right uh, because I don't think the other two have actually overtaken him. I think they're very talented boys and, and all three have got bright futures, but I think McGrath's right up there uh, as far as, as being a, a true number one pick. Yeah, we talked about that last time I came on the show too. And like, I totally get that it's a conversation, you know, look, like, a big portion of my job, you know, in regard yeah. to the NBA is covering the NBA draft, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I understand these, you know, debates, but, you know, I think a big part of it has just been the role that McGraw was asked to uh, play early in his career. He was essentially a halfback, that he was a wing, you know, now he's finally getting a chance to play on ball. And I mean, he's been their best player this year, I think so far. Uh, him and Dylan Shield unquestionably have been their two best. Uh, and I would say McGraw has probably been a little bit more consistent than Shield. Shield's uh, heights, where I think he's probably best on ground in three games this year, uh, have maybe been you know a little bit better. But just in terms of game in, game out, I mean, uh, Andy McGraw is ridiculous. He is uh, like just so unbelievable and so skilled and um, tough physical you think he laid like eight tackles today like he's just uh he's a he is everything that i would have hoped he could have been when they selected him yeah i mean andy andy is taking i think if you if you had a look at a at a, at a preferred uh improvement curve if you could sort of say something along those lines it'd be the perfect curve for andy mcgrath because like you said he'd 
I don't think he had any ego that had been that might have been associated as a number one draft pick. He came to Essendon and Essendon they made a big call with him in that they, like you said, they said no, 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 Andy, we're going to put you down back. Um, you're going to learn what it's going to be like down there. You get your hands on the ball a few times, learn to make some good decisions. When they knew he could do that and do that well, then like you said, they moved him up to a wing, got him a bit used to the midfield and see how they were operating. And now they've put him in the midfield and the, his improvement curve is just perfect. I think he's, he's 25 possessions. That's a 30 possession game in a normal game of AFL. And I, I understand that Taranto and McCluggage and those guys, they kick goals and they look spectacular and, and that's all good for their teams. But if I had to pick them now, and even if I took my Essendon jumper off, if I had to pick um, one of those guys now, again, I would pick Andy McGrath. Because I, I bet you if you put Andy McGrath as a, as a forward pocket, he'd give you two goals a game as well. So I don't know about Taranto and those other guys running through the, the midfield and, and into halfback. So I love Andy McGrath to death. Um, one question I've got for you. What, do you. what are your thoughts on Jacob Townsend? Now, Jacob, he's, he's not getting as many possessions. He's not very high on the stats point of view. And I mean, again, I mean, he missed a goal last night. Um, what are your thoughts on him in our forward line? I love him. Like, okay. it's just, like I mean, I don't know if he's wildly talented or anything, <laughs> but like the role that he plays is so essential, I think. Uh, just with the pressure, he plays so hard. He just goes and tries to bust up every single possible uh, scrum for the ball down in the yeah. inside 50. Uh, he's a tackling machine. Like, I don't think he actually had any last night. I was surprised to see that, but mm. uh, the physical presence he brings is just always there. Uh, he plays so hard and uh, he is generally a pretty straight kick as well. Uh, yeah. He does a really good job of presenting to you know, ball users kicking inside 50. So I really like him. Like, I actually really like his, you know, football intelligence. I think he just knows where he needs to be. Um, you know, is he a certain, you know, surefire guy in our 22. I don't know that I necessarily think that's true, but uh, I love him. Like I love, uh, I will root for that dude uh, to the end of the earth because I want him to be successful. Yeah. And and look, you're right. Jacob Townsend, you, you kind of acknowledge that it's going to be a 10 disposal or less kind of game from him nearly every time he's going to kick you one or two goals. Uh, but I think every team in the AFL need a battering ramp. Like they actually need a, an intimidating physical presence. And, and it makes, you know, it, historically for my kind of how I've seen AFL, it makes a team walk a bit taller and, and understand the urgency and understand the physicality. And 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 Aussies are a very proud kind of people. And when one guy is battering around his his body against others, it, it makes the other guys. I better do this too. <laughs> uh, so he he he's kind of like an on field leader in a weird way, in a physical presence uh, where he he demonstrates uh, an attribute that we've probably lacked on in in short history. Uh, and and it's showing because I think our physicality is probably been one of the biggest improvements this year I, I just our pressure around stoppages our mm. our our just uh the way we're kind of supporting each other even last night just basic things you know there was clear shepherds you know those guys blocking for another guy to run through the ball in all honesty we weren't great at those kind of little one percentage little things that that add to you know a, a, a total team 
game plan. So they're, they're the few things that I've seen, and that's just recruiting guys that just help uh, the culture just mature, get a bit more uh, uh, physical, a bit more intimidating. Uh, and, yeah, it, he's been a key key um, trade to come in uh, just for that just for that alone for me. Yeah, and, you know, it was, you know, kind of the opposite of that is I was surprised that they didn't play Redman in this game, particularly yeah. this game, because he tends to be the one down back that is pretty feisty and is willing yeah. to get into it with guys. And, you know, he would have been a really interesting matchup on Zerhar whenever Zerhar starts throwing his body around, right? Like Mason Redman is going to be the first guy over there that is typically willing <laughs> yeah, yeah. to actually throw his body at Zerhar. So I, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't play Redmond, but it worked out, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm not complaining. It was just uh, I was a little bit surprised by that. Well, you'll laugh at this, Sam. They uh, they played a scratch match yesterday, and th these scratch matches have been very, very loose. I mean, even with the restrictions here right. with, with COVID, it's been a little bit non-contacty kind of vibe. You know, yeah, you can tackle, but it's not overly aggressive. It was just 10 on 10. Mason Redman starts a fight <laughs> with the North Melbourne guy. And and, there, and, and the, you know, the vision of on the news is him, you know, <laughs> wrestling around the ground with some guy. And, and you go, well, that's in, in a weird way. It's kind of endearing. That's what you love about him. And, <laughs> Uh, that, that I didn't know that, but that's hilarious. <laughs> so, so um, one guy, he, he actually didn't have a dis, uh, disposal in the first quarter and then just suddenly, um, like last week, just really hit form in Braden Ham. This, this guy, he's a young kid, but he does carry the ball really, really well, shows us a different side on the wing that we probably haven't had for a while uh, and, and kind of complements... Uh, the Fantasia role at the moment with McKenna and Saad as kind of like the next link in the chain. Uh, so mm. he, he's become uh, kind of an important player already, even at a young age. But I, I thought his second half was, was pretty critical and, and he had a great game against the Collingwood. Uh, he was under a lot of pressure for selection because his first game, obviously, he was a, you felt he, he hadn't played for a long time and it kind of showed, but... He's now probably in the in the good books with the coaches, I would say, because uh, he 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 gives us a, a whole new dynamic on the wing that um, is really ad advantageous. No, that's really funny. I have to give credit again to my wife, who Laura knows way more about football than I do from having watched football, you know, since she was two years old. Uh, she has gotten on my case about Bradenham because Bradenham was like driving me nuts uh, yeah, against yeah. Uh, who was it? It was against Carlton, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh man, this guy, he's just not ready for this. It's not that he's not going to be a good player. It's just like he's so skinny and. You know, it didn't seem like he was ready for the physicality. And then these last two weeks, he's been uh, just absolutely monstrous yep. in mm. so many ways. He's been, uh, I think, top three in meters gained for the team in each of those two games. Uh, he has been uh, just such an essential force in terms of speed, in terms of uh, distribution with the ball. Uh, he's a really, really smart kick uh, in addition to being able to get it uh, – you know, pretty decent ways. Like that kid has a just a hammer on his boot. Like he can absolutely yeah. get that thing, you know, 50 meters without a problem. Um, you know, I'm really, I'm really interested to track where that goes because, you know, the one thing that I think, and I talked about this last time I came on the show, um, the one thing I think Essendon has lacked 
for a while is like a really true wing presence yeah. that, you know, can carry the ball, can transition, and then can also, you know, entry the ball into 50 off of a dead sprint, you know, from anywhere from 10 meters to 50 meters away from the 50. Yeah. Uh, you know, Braden Ham has a chance to really be that guy. And uh, I'm really excited to see where that goes. I'll tell you what, Braden, the, the wing position in general um, in AFL, I back in the day in the 80s and that sort of stuff when Scotty and I were watching when we were young, wingmen were exactly what you just said. They were employed to run from halfback to halfback as fast as they humanly could. Half back to half still, forward. Sorry? Half back to half forward? Half back to half forward even, yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that's probably more appropriate. Half back to half forward. Um, and be able to, like you said, at full sprint, be depositing the ball either 15 metres or 55 metres. So it was a very important. We had Glenn Hawker and a couple of different blokes playing for the Dons who were absolutely perfect at that. Um, and I don't know. It's just the, the position itself now, I think, in the modern game of football is regarded more as an extra midfielder. Like you, you see the wingman start off on the edge of the on the wings of the square and then they just bolt towards the middle of the ground and become that kind of extra midfield around the contest i really like and i'm I'm glad that you can see it too sam i really like the fact that a lot of the possessions i see Braden get are on the wing they're on the sort of maybe a smidge before half forward right on that true wing position and like you said, if, if you give him two or three meters, he's got a bit of toe about him, and he can he can deposit the ball. So I think there's a that's a that's a great trait to be able to have a, a a left boot like that for a start off. But I think it's a it's an interesting shout back to the old '80s um, wingman who really had um, a really good influential um, part to play in sides back then. So I, I definitely agree that Braden is a is a player to look forward to moving forward and. Again, it'd be interesting from from your point of view. You're like you guys. You watch the NBA and you see the draft, and you see your top ten picks are generally going to be your your players for the next generation of the club that they get drafted to. Yeah. Um, but Braden was picked number what, Scotty, forty six or something like that. Uh, um, you put me on the spot. I wouldn't know exactly, but that's it's, like he was it's obviously he was, a later pick. Yeah. Yeah, a later pick in inverted commas, and one that. From an AFL point of view, you kind of go, um, we're not quite sure he's going to make it. It's interesting from your, what what differences do you see between like an NBA draft and an AFL draft? Because you can get second round draft picks and, and third round draft picks in the NBA that, that can make it, but it's pretty rare. But it, it's interesting that you can find a James Hurd at pick 56 or wherever he was, or a Braden Ham at 40 odd, um, and they turn into half decent players pretty quick. Pick 72. Yeah. <laughs> 72. 72. Sorry. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's interesting. You know, the first, I, I, the first part of it with him is interesting too, in regard to like, you know, just him. The, so much of what a wing is supposed to do is almost just like space the field now. Um, yeah. And I love the fact that, like, I remember Mitch Robinson and Hugh McCluggage talking about, yeah, like, you know, we were left off the Australian team. It's kind of silly. Um, you know, I, I think that there's not enough respect for the wing position basically was his case. And I actually agree with them. Like, I think it's a really, yeah. really important position. And I think it's really, uh, it's really essential when you have a wing that is able to stay uh, on the wing and gather possessions like Ham has done so far. And, you know, like in regard to the draft, you know, it's certainly you see it, it it's all- 
almost like in the A, it's more equivalent to the NFL draft versus the NBA draft. Like the NBA draft, you have five players on the field or on the court at once. And one player can have just such a ridiculously outsized influence yeah. on a game in comparison to like the AFL or the NFL where mm. you know, AFL is 36 players. NFL is 22 players, right? Like it, it's just such a, such a different game where these guys that go, you know, a second round pick in the AFL is actually a really important pick because you have mm. to be able to build out your depth. You have to be able to build out, uh, you know, your roster. You, you only get, what, what is it? I think it's like five picks, something like that a year in the AFL, right? Yep. Yeah, like five picks. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, at least the first three of those are super valuable just in terms of getting someone like a like Irving Mosquito went in the second round uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. last year, if I remember correctly, right? And he looks great in the VFL. So, like, uh, it's it's because there are so many guys on the field that have to play so many disparate roles, I think that the value of draft picks in the AFL – uh, is even even greater the further down you go. Yep, yep, very true. Now, uh, I said to you, Sam, that we'll have it. How about we do a twenty minute interview? Thirty six minutes <laughs> later, I I wanted to look before we close and thank you for joining us. Uh, there's a key question I wanted to, wanted to ask you, and, and it's probably about a, a, the Australian media, right? So, <laughs> you have the advantage of you know you're a writer for the Athletic, well known for your NBA coverage uh, and college basketball coverage. You have you kind of have that great independent kind of view of seeing Australian journalists, which we look some are actually really really good. So this isn't a, a a journalism slam but you you see right. for classic example the connor mckenna situation you tell us on your thoughts uh, is it is it, we we as a fan podcast uh uh you know are pretty outspoken about some of the coverage in the afl from journalists i i wanted to get your take on it and 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 go for it i think it's a complicated discussion and I want to use my words a little bit carefully because of that. Um, <laughs> on the whole, I think it's pretty poor, unfortunately. Um, I really wish that instead of, and look, cause like you said, I think I want to preface this by saying there are some really good reporters out there. Like I think Sam McClure does a great job. I think that Cal Toomey for Essendon, you know, covering Essendon particularly does an exceptional job. Um, you know, I think Caroline Wilson, like, I'm sure that that's like a bad, you know, thing to say with like Essendon fans, <laughs> right? So great like, I, think Caroline, oh. I think Caroline Wilson does a good job because she actually holds people accountable for the most part. And, you know, you can agree, you can disagree with her and, you know, sometimes she might go a little bit overboard, but I appreciate the independent streak that she has, hmm. uh, in regard to her opinion, like, there are good journalists out there. The problem is the way that they are positioned oftentimes um, and the way that the media often is uh, the, the media that uh, editors and people who run these websites and people who run television coverage, uh, what they choose to highlight. I think is enormously frustrating. Like last night we have Essendon go out to four and one, you know, one of the, you know, premier Melbourne clubs goes out to four and one. Uh, we have Isaac Rankin go off for gold coast has mm -hmm. three goals in his debut. Looks like an absolute star. 
And the lead on like Fox Footies page and other pages, you know, across the across Australia right now is uh, Brad Johnson says Dylan Shield should get suspended for three or four games because of this headshot. Um, you know, I I, th- I don't blame the players that are on TV for voicing their opinion. I think that they should, and I think it's what they're paid to do. And I think it's valuable uh, to get their perspective. I blame the way that their opinion is positioned across the entirety of football, where it's almost like people just want to fall back on what they have to say, as opposed to having like opinions for themselves uh, and being willing to share those opinions and being willing to um, yeah, just position themselves as something, learn what football is, is like, look, like I can talk about football at a reasonable level and I live 18 hours away by a plane, mm. right? Like uh, more we than can, reasonable, Sam, more <laughs> than reasonable. Like we can do this, right? Like it's not, I don't think it's that hard. Uh, yeah. You can learn the game and you can discuss the game in a manner that I think fans would really respond to. And too much of it ends up being these like petty, you know, bullshit media feud stuff. Like yeah. I, I don't care that, uh, you know, Sam Newman and Caroline Wilson are fighting. I, I don't care that Bruce Taylor and uh, McAvaney called Jake Stringer fat. Like, yeah, they should get called out for it, but that shouldn't be a bigger story than Jake Stringer's like dominance last week. Yeah. Like he was the best, he's one of the two best players on ground. Like this is, it, it drives me nuts. Like I, I mean, like I, I haven't heard you guys talk about it before, so I'd be fascinated to hear your opinion on this. Yeah, well, we um we do uh, like a Patreon show, right? So we actually did a kind of a show on on that, um, and, and it was it was probably at that time around just the the craziness around Conor McKenna, right? Because, you know, you had two ex-footballers on national TV wanting to be obviously journalists now and, and they're basically saying, Conor, the whole the whole of Australia should be dirty on him. You know, he should never play again this year. And it was just like the guy's just got a virus. <laughs> like it was a, it was to me right. it was just like, like are we not just having common sense that there's a global pandemic and it's an actually just a, a health and safety issue for this poor guy who's come back from Ireland. Uh, and, and, you know, just on a quick one, Xavier Campbell just noted yesterday that they actually have done some further analysis on his tests. And, and it was a genuine positive, he, he's saying, and it said it looks like it did come from Ireland, like it was just a, a, a kind of a lingering thing. Um, but I was just frustrated just as just a, a – and I'm not sure if I'm just being a bit too precious, just on a human side, just like, what do you mean we should be dirty on him? And, you know, the guy, all he did was get, you know, a, a health condition that we're all fearful of getting. Like it, it's, you know, it, we're in a state, obviously with the US, you're having your own issues, but even in Victoria, we're having a, an outbreak at the moment. We're all, we're, all, we're all within our homes. This is why we're on Zoom. Grant's usually at my house. You know, we're all doing the right things and I just thought, on a, just on a human humanitarian level, just like this is just a, just a, the, the most immoral way of presenting this story is like, why isn't that Connor has unfortunately um, been tested positive? We should be getting around him as a community and as an AFL community and supporting him like we would 
a hospital would and a person in the public or and and this is not a oh you know you must have broken the rules get out of the country you shouldn't play for Essendon you know it was just it was just a, the the a horrific take on a on a human level for me that that the whole focus should have been on his welfare and then we'll look at it afterwards about what we can possibly do better but it's not a it's not a hit and shame moment it's just how you going Connor you know how do we get through this and obviously you know a week later it it, it all cleared up and it was everyone you know apologies were made but apologies are great but we're, we're always hearing a journalist apologize saying okay obviously it went off too early we'll just learn from it like right <laughs> that's that's my take anyway but I, I guess the the thing that really got me was the the speed with which he was thrown out with the bathwater basically like he'd okay if he's come back with a positive test and this is the thing is that the the bit that annoyed me most was that we didn't even know if it was a positive test somebody found out somebody got some inside goss and i understand that he went and he got tested and something was there was an what do they call it irregularity an anomaly or a irregularity sorry? irregularity yeah an irregularity that's it yeah there was an irregularity on his test now Mate, I remember the the Patreon episode that we did. I was driving down to, to see my mum and I called into Scotty and we were talking about this. I actually fired up a little bit because nobody knew what the hell was going on. And all they did was assume that he was positive. So bang, that was the story. He ran with it. He was positive. And it was, it was a guess. It was an out and out guess by these guys. And I... I understand where, where Scotty's coming from, and I, I appreciate your your career as well, Sam. Is that sometimes you might get something on the inside, you might get a bit of gossip or a bit of info that you think, "Wow, that's that because is going to be great for me." It must be difficult to think, "Oh, should I go with it or should I check here?" Because I mean, if it was right. just somebody did something innocuous or something like that. And I've got a bit of inside goss and I could chuck it on the site and it won't hurt anybody, even if it is frankly wrong. Um, but this was about the bloke's health and right. the likes of, um, of uh, David King, who I honestly believe is an oxygen thief myself for a, uh, for a reporter. He, he just went bang, should be banned. He's put the whole uh, club into disrepute. Now you'll say that because we don't have um, Eddie Everywhere Maguire backing us up, tearing people's heads off in the media. But where was David King and all of those guys when Steel Sidebottom was found half naked um, on a street somewhere, risking every COVID rule under the under the sun? Right. So I just it annoys me when certain people and they're often they're not Cal Toomey and they're not um, Sam McClure and those guys because they have integrity and they understand they need to get the facts before they do these sort of things. It's these ex-players that all of a sudden think they're Cal Toomey um, and go with these things before they get their um, their clarification or their, the facts straight um, and then just have to apologise and then we move on to the next news cycle. It annoys me greatly because if this was just, I don't know, Connor was out seeing Evan Beers late at night and that that was going to break the rules, but it's not a massive deal. This was Connor's health. It yeah. was his, and I know COVID is, he clearly did okay with it and that's fine, but this was his health. The guy should, pardon my French, but bloody will know better. And it annoys the hell out of me that we don't have that level of um, restraint when it comes to the big stick 
that people like David King and that have um, in the media that they represent? Yeah, you know, the, the Connor thing is interesting because, you know, within, what, probably two hours of it being reported, like Gil McLaughlin like came out and said, like, this is a thing, you know, like this is like, he confirmed it. So like, I, I'm like trying to figure out, you know, like how I would like handle that and like gauge it. Like, obviously I think what Scott said and like, you know, what you said, Grant as well, like handling it from like a human perspective first is just like the most essential thing. Like you really just have to look at it and uh, understand that uh, this is a person and his health involved and we, really don't need to rush to judgment uh, or don't need to rush to condemn this person for getting a virus. Right. Um, the, <laughs> the rush though, in general, like if, if this was something that I didn't see as systemic within Australian media through uh, certain channels, like, like I'll just like throw out a name, like Tom Brown, that dude just like, here's one thing and like puts it on TV. Yeah. Right. It, yeah, yeah. it feels yeah. like that, at least from the outside. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know that dude. Like maybe I'm missing something, but like, he fact that dude seems later. like, yeah. 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 Like he gets, he gets told something and then it's immediately on TV without like any sort of back channel without yeah. any sort of like confirmation. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of stuff I think is really important, especially within a story like this with Connor McKenna, where you're talking about someone's health. It, it's a, that one's complicated because of the confirmation like immediately after. I don't really know how I would have handled that beyond just being like, this is a, this is a human being and we need to like just handle him uh, as a human being and not condemn him for getting this virus. Like I understand what's competition at risk, but it's not his fault that the competition's at risk. If anything, like, you know, steel side bottom, what that dude did, you know, put the competition at risk, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then and like that, yeah. that, Eddie, that Eddie McGuire thing, like I still don't really, I don't want to speak positively or negatively about it just because like, I don't think I understand like his role, like insofar as how <laughs> he can be, be a member of media while also running calling like being calling with president like i find that be a very strange conflict of interest that i i might just not like totally understand you know no no i, I think you understand it uh, there is a <laughs> conflict of interest there Every, everybody knows i mean it's there was a lot of controversy when eddie became president of the of the collingwood football club as to he was then calling collingwood games on the weekend and I think he's done an okay job with regards to the fact that he 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 makes himself when they're playing Collingwood and when he was calling those games, he would make it a point of talking up the opposition a fair bit and trying to be trying sure. to say nice things about the opposition. And that's so which is which is cool. But I guess it the, the part that annoys me with the media is that when um still Sidebottom did what he did, there was there was people reporting on it, as you would imagine when a bloke does something as dodgy as that. Um, and the likes of Carolyn Wilson, who I don't have a lot of time for, I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but the one point I will say is what you said earlier, Sam, on the fact that she will sit opposite Eddie Maguire at, the, at a desk um, on right. Footy Classifieds and actually ask him hard yeah. questions that he needs to answer, right? Because yeah. right. the way Eddie everywhere, we call him, is 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 that he's he's so influential as a media person within um, Australia and he's the president of the biggest club in the comp. So people are very scared of him. 
So not not a lot of people. If you get on Eddie's blacklist, you're you're probably there for a good period of time. So not many people, especially reporters and the like, will go after Eddie too hard because Eddie will stand up in front of a lot of them and tell them all to bugger off, which is basically what he's done with this. He can come out and say he was proud of Steel Sidebottom, um, tell everybody to bugger off, and they have. But the bit that annoys me is that the David Kings of the world look at our um, uh, CEO in Xavier, who is not like Eddie McGuire. He's a quiet, well-spoken, but quiet, doesn't get himself in front of the media as much as Eddie does kind of guy. And he's not certainly not going to find the nearest media pack after David King says what he says about Connor and then tear strips off David. He, he keeps his comments to himself and he doesn't do that sort of stuff. So it almost seems like Essendon's an easy target when it comes to media, especially with all the crapola that happened a few years ago. Um, so I just, it does annoy me sometimes that we can almost be the whipping boy um, in considered the whipping boy of the AFL and for the likes of David and those guys to just come out and be able to say what they want to say with impunity. So I don't know. I think we, we might be going around in circles, but I guess it, it's just, it is very annoying to see um, the likes of the good journalists and stuff who are probably, they are probably waiting. They're probably waiting for that um, confirmation from Gil, the, the probably the, the person that you would wait for to, to get a yes or a positive no on this thing. But you, like you said, the Tom Browns of the world chuck it on Twitter and then it's the biggest story in the, uh, or Brad Johnson says something stupid like four weeks and it's the biggest story in Australia as opposed to a kid kicking three or the Bombers at 4-1. But I guess like that's where I struggle with it. Like I don't really have a problem with like Brad Johnson having the opinion that Dylan Shield should be suspended for three or four games. Like I think it's wrong. Like I, I think that honestly, like Dylan Shield gets suspended for a game, I'm not really gonna have a problem with it. Yeah. Um like it was he, he will. Yeah. yeah, like it was medium contact high. Like it, it is like it's basically by the book based off of that table, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um but it's the way that it's then positioned as if it's like the biggest thing in the world, as opposed to uh, it just being someone speaking, someone, you know, who uh, I think opinion, whose opinion matters for sure. But just because this person's opinion matters doesn't mean that it should necessarily be like, Oh, this is, this is what this person says. Like it is a story that this person said this, like Mm. he's just, he's just an analyst. Like he's calling it like he sees it. Like, like I said, like, I don't really blame Brad Johnson for that. Like, I think that he should have a take and that's his take. Great. Um, Yeah. I don't agree with it, but cool that he has a take. Right. Um, It's the way that that's then positioned as if it's um, as if it's like a debate point or as if it's, something to create conversation. Like I, I put more of it almost on the people that are like programming these things as opposed to the, like yeah. the former players and the journalists themselves. Like I actually don't really have a problem. It's uh, an interesting point. Yeah. The, the prob- yeah. A lot of it the prob- on that side. The problem is, is, is the, is the take is then overshadowing Fremantle's terrific win over St. Kilda. You know, a rookie for the Suns, like you said, starring, kicking three goals. There was some really right. Frio. Yeah. Frio had its best comeback in yeah. team history last night. Yeah. Why yeah. are why like nobody is talking about that? And like Nat Fife like led the comeback. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like yeah. literally one of the three best players in the competition leads a team's greatest comeback in its history, and nobody cares. Like yeah, yeah. based off of what I've seen headline wise, 
Nobody yeah. cares. That's, now, that's that's the frustrating part. The actual football, there were some really big stories, uh, and that's 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 what you're. I, you're right. The take isn't. He can have a say, but it shouldn't be the front page. It's just that's 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 the analysis at the time by that by that analysis person, but. Outside of that, there was so much bigger football stories that should be front page, and that's and that's uh, and look, we are a unique landscape, the Australian media. I mean, you imagine like even last night watching North Melbourne Nesson, you imagine if the Lakers and Clippers played on national TV and the Lakers owner was calling the game, like you know, it's wild, like that, that part that, of it's like wild to me, yeah, like yeah. I, I still just don't know how to, like, I, like I said, like, I don't really know how to react to that. That's just, yeah, like, I mean, but it's kind it, of stunning to me, to be honest. It's quite insane that you know, the, the North Melbourne president is, and like, he's he's calling it like you know, Walla will kick a goal, and like, he's overexcited. I, I would feel weird if I was a North Melbourne fan, like, going, Why are you excited? You're our president, you're there, you know, this it's just the whole thing seems strange, but I. I firstly a massive thanks, Sam, for for coming on the show. We've we've way overgone over time, but uh, <laughs> absolutely. But it's actually been terrific. Uh, we, there's no limits to how long our show can be. I, look, I just want to. I would be ignorant if I didn't want to ask this last question before we close up. Sure. Can you just describe to me on a U.S. sports side the landscape? <laughs> what's what's happening? You know. Ha, ha, on several fronts, journalists, yeah. <laughs> sort of journalism in, in the US, because Australian journalists, been, you know, a lot have been retrenched, a lot have lost their jobs. Where is your industry in the US and, and where is sports in the US amongst, you know, if I'm being, can I be honest, amongst utter chaos? Uh, that that's oh, it's a nightmare. I, yeah, uh, yeah, like the way that the U.S. has handled this is an abomination. Like, there's just not really another way to put it. Uh, it's a disgrace in every regard. Like, it, it's just letting the virus run rampant throughout the country. It's abysmal. There's there's not enough. There's not a kind way to put it. Like, it, yeah, it yeah. is what it is. Um, and it shouldn't be that way, by the way. So where is baseball, NFL, NBA, college? Baseball yeah. is, yeah, like baseball is coming back uh, in, I think it's next weekend, the baseball season starts. Uh, the basketball season is going to start July 30th. The hockey season is going to start August 1st, I believe. Um, I'm trying to think what else. The NFL season seems to be rolling. College athletics, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with college athletics because it's – I mean, like, look, like I'm not a NCAA, you know, fan in general. I think the organization is a corrupt cesspool. So like, <laughs> like the idea of collegiate athletics in general and not paying these athletes what they're worth is absurd to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it's just like hard from a moral standpoint to figure out like, okay, we have this virus that has literally been allowed by our government to run rampant throughout the country. Um, should sports even matter uh, in any regard? I mean, like on some level, I get it from a, a morale perspective, right? Like, you know, it'll help the country if this is happening. There's pro It's probably safer, like for the NBA, for instance, where they're in a bubble. Um, mm -hmm. I would imagine that Disney campus is probably safer than the rest of Florida and mm, yeah. large portions of the country, just given the precautions they're taking on it. Um, you know, and certainly as long as the uh, players associations writ large, 
want to play, like the NBA Players Association voted to play, uh, the MLB voted to play uh, their Players Association, the uh, the NHL Players Association voted yesterday by like an uh, I think it was like a seventy seven percent you know margin in favor to play. So as long as we're also allowing these players to sit out and not be you know tarred and feathered and not be uh, not be condemned for it, I think that. I don't have a problem with sports being yeah. played um, as long as everyone's agreed and everyone knows the protocols. Uh, I, it's just hard for me to get past the fact that the way that the country is handling this disease or virus, I'm sorry, not disease, uh, has just been abominable in every way. Mm. How, how do you, how will Americans respond with the no crowd visually on TV? It's such a TV sports generated nation. Uh, do you think they'll be fine with that? Um, with, with just the known noise, like especially NBA, yeah, I can't decide. Um, there are some people that are excited to hear like the sounds of the game. Yeah. Um, they're putting the, I think the games are going to be on like a seven second delay because like, <laughs> like the NBA player is just going to be like cursing like, constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fine. Like go for it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to see if they just decide to start piping in crowd noise uh, like the AFL did. I, I would bet at some point that probably happens for some leagues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us, Sam. Uh, thank you for that last hour, which was <laughs> <laughs> But no, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, look, you're, you're a friend of the show. You're welcome on any time. Uh, so, look – I hope it's okay for us to say you won't be a stranger to us for a call up for a, a spot on the show again in the future. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you guys want, I am more than happy to talk about the bombers and happy to, uh, happy to come on again. So we, we, we obviously play the Western Bulldogs this week, which we haven't won since 2014. So uh, a big, big clash on uh, a side. I mean, there's some, when you look at the, the competition, you might say, you know, Richmond Collins was in that, but to us, this is probably the hardest team we've had to beat uh, in our short history. So it's a big, big clash uh, coming up with the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Thank you again, Sam. Uh, All the best in uh, lovely California, which is one of my favorite states to drive through. I've driven, I think I've done probably four driving trips in California now. uh, And, and, you know, it's actually a spectacular landscape. Uh, So we've done Yosemite two or three times now. Um, Good for you. So uh, yeah, it's one of the one of my favorite things is to, is to drive through the state. So all the best, mate. Uh, keep safe. Uh, we know California is going through uh, again uh, quite a few cases in itself. So um, yeah, stay safe with family, and thank you so much for joining the Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast. Yeah, of course, guys. Anytime. Thank you very much, Sam. We'll come back uh, to the podcast after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, that was a great interview uh, with Mr. Sam Vecini from The Athletic in the States, our newly appointed Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast international correspondent. Um, a massive thank you to Sam for his time. It was great having him on, wasn't it, Scotty? 
Uh, just awesome. I, I really, really enjoy talking to Sam. So second time he's been on and, uh, you know, uh, he's hopefully going to be a bit more uh, of a regular one or twice, you know, one or two times a year. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's so good uh, to have access to that. We're we're very blessed as a podcast, to be honest, to get you know these ex players, these journalists. We get people, you know, we get eyewitnesses, uh, training correspondents. We get a US Hello. US feel. Uh, we're you know for for us too who just started a podcast as, as fans to to what this podcast has grown to be and to the people we talk to and president of Eston football club and the assistant coaches and VFL coaches. It's incredible. It's just, yeah, it is a little bit funny to how it's grown, but uh, a lot of it's thanks to the audience. The audience has grown and, and people recognize that and they, they see how many people we're, we're reaching, how many Essendon members that we're speaking to. So that gets you credibility and you get guests. And so. Absolutely. And I think also too with Sammy, it's, I, I, I didn't say it while we were talking to him, but I think I might need to be uh, a bit more mindful of this moving forward is that I, I'm, I'm looking at him with awe because he's a bloke from LA married an Aussie chick and that's all good. Didn't have to, I mean, he's probably busy during the day with the athletic, um, his work and the NBA and, all of the sports that he um, he monitors. But here's a bloke that talks about AFL football, like a, a bloke from the US that talks about AFL football as good or if not better than Scott and I that have been around AFL football for entire lives. So I guess some of the, I don't know if people or the listeners will notice, but some of the times we're asking questions, we're a little bit in awe of, of his responses because we're just not expecting a bloke from LA to... Uh, to be able to provide a res- the kind of responses that he does. So I think next time we talk to Sam, I'm going to try and uh, not make it such a novelty to be talking to, <laughs> to an American that that's got that much knowledge on the, on the AFL. So uh, it's it really great responses from Sam. He's a, he's, he's very considerate with his answers and he, he really tries to provide um, his thoughts. And, and it was a good section on, uh, on the media. Um, he obviously has a, a big profile over in the States and, understands how the media works over there. And again, he also has a, has a big knowledge about how it works over here. So I was really interested to hear what he had to say um, about the Australian media and the way they're reporting on things. And we, we asked him a couple of specific questions about Connor as well. Yeah, exactly. So look, we, we won't keep you too much longer. This has been quite a long show. So uh, we don't, we don't know how much, how long it's going to be yet. Do we Scotty? Right. But I'm, I'm going to call, I'm going to call, one twenty-seven. I'm gonna call this an hour and twenty-seven. <laughs> like when we when we chop all this together and we put it up there, I'm gonna call it an hour twenty-seven. It's gonna be our longest podcast ever. Yeah, I've got a bit of editing to do on this one. So uh, <laughs> as you know, look, just for people that obviously used to a, a certain stereo sound at the start of the year, I just want to make sure people understand too that obviously with the restrictions in in Victoria. Grant is at his home. He has to do a, a makeshift microphone and we're both on Zoom. So we're recording the audio through Zoom. That seems to be the best way of doing it. But look, it's it's obviously not to the level that you, you used to at the start, but it's the best we can do. I just hope people appreciate that um, we're kind of committed to still giving the same content and, 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 and delivery, uh, just understanding that the you know some of the audio is probably going to be 15% not up to where it was before, but I think people will understand what's going on and, and, and yeah. And 
So for us, it's it's we want the content to go out. We want to support uh, our listeners and, and and you know people who are you know pretty much locked in their homes in this state want some outlets, want some things to do. And and, and Essendon fans love hearing reviews of matches and and what people's thoughts are. And that's what we thought Sam would be a good guest as well. So I hope that's all understandable. I'm sure it is. We've got fantastic listeners. We get constant tweets. You know, Bomber Blitz, Facebook. You know, uh, we get which constant, we really appreciate, by the way. Yeah, we get constant messages. We get great messages through our Patreons, and and so, just thank you so much. Just quickly, just on the Patreon, I make this very quick. Uh, just a reminder that the you know that the the free part of it will close in probably two to three weeks. So that that's when the billing will start. So good time to join up if you were. We're obviously now wanting to do a regular, quick initial after match. Uh, review when we're both at home yeah. uh, that will be a, 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 an ongoing segment uh, and also the Thursday teams show which has really taken off our, our listen there I just checked today how many people listened to that um, on on Thursday and it was really overwhelming how many numbers are yeah, no, listening, listening that's to some, the- that's some great extra content man like I said I think Hopefully, if, if you're loving the, the main podcast, and the main podcast, we can assure you, will be free forevermore yes. um, until Scotty and I run out of breath. Um, we'll be free forevermore. Um, we're going to, for our Patreons and the guys that are uh, that are helping us um, on the Patreon page, um, we're going to give you that Thursday night team show. Um, we'll also give you that little 10, 15-minute or 20-minute or hour and a half. It doesn't, <laughs> depends on how we're feeling. Uh, reaction show after the, each game. So, um, we hope there's plenty of uh, value in there for our Patreon guys. Um, Patreon.com forward slash lunchtime catch up um, to check us out on there. One uh, one new Patreon we've got uh, this week, Haley Cox. Um, big thank you to Haley Cox uh, for joining us on Patreon as well. Um, you can find Scotty and I um, on the socials. Yep. Um, you can get us a lunchtime catch up podcast Facebook page. You can find Scotty at True to the Red Sash, Scooter McNeese on uh, Twitter, um, on our. Um, on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast Twitter. We couldn't get the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, so we went with the Lunch Catch-Up. Um, but get us all on the socials. We love your feedback. We love uh, chatting with you guys. We we really appreciate the time and effort it takes to do it, um, to give us some really good feedback. So um, we enjoy it. So I think, Scotty, this is a, this has been a really good podcast. We, we love talking to Sam, and we hope everybody does as well. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. Thanks so much, everyone. Bulldogs clash this week. Uh, I think it's a Friday night game, yep. so... We'll see if we can do a reaction Friday night and then we'll have our uh, main podcast show next weekend. But uh, look forward to the Thursday teams show as well. Big week for the boys. Uh, let's see if we can go five and one. That would be – it would be – Outrageous. Yeah. It that, would be outrageous. It would be a slight little sneak into the to the lid. The lid would just be oh, mate, slightly you, no, I'll be opening. I'll be grabbing it with one hand. I will have hand on the lid um, with the intention of removal. In fact, I will crack – the lid and just crack it off the top of the pot if we beat the doggies next week, mate, because that would be outrageous. Yeah. So thanks again, everyone. We'll be back uh, on Thursday. Catch you later. See you, guys.